It's Tuesday the 9th of February. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and with me, of course, Shane Lee. How are you, Shane? What about those chicken wings for the Super Bowl? Oh, how good were they? And tell you what, they came a distant second to how good the game was. It was fantastic to watch. It was great to be part of watching two greats go head-to-head and um, and the oldest great coming out on top. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Brady, Rob Gilbert's going to give us all that, plus the woes of Liverpool. And what a debut for Matty Ryan. We had him on the show last week. We'll talk to Rob soon. Also, Paul Smith, the owner of the Kings, had a great win. All right, well, let's get cracking. So much sport to talk about. Uh, let's begin with the Super Bowl and uh, the old bull versus the young bull. And they say that class is permanent, form is temporary. And boy, oh boy, not that his form uh, was struggling at all, Tom Brady, but he just got out there like a, a, a commander, didn't he? The ultimate performer, just pulling the strings. Mate, he was unbelievable, wasn't he? And, um, and all the betting markets suggested that the Chiefs would win. Um, you know, Mahomes would go back to back. And, and Brady... You know, it's pretty hard to back against this guy, and, and now you probably never will. But um, he he just took his time. He was never rushed. the The defense from um, the Buccaneers was was second to none. They really rushed Mahomes, but it was Brady guiding him all the way. And um, now seven times he's won it now, and four times, um, sorry, five times MVP. He is a superstar, and it was really good to watch. And um, it just goes to show that you know the really good sportsmen across any sport they seem to have more time. And Mahomes, even though he's paid a lot of money, he just seemed rushed the whole game, and and that was the difference in the end. Yeah, exactly, and that experience you just cannot buy. Let's have a listen to a little bit of Tom Brady after the NFL Super Bowl. I'm so proud of all these guys down here, everything we uh, dealt with all year. We had a rough month in November, but B.A. had all the confidence in us. The team had a lot of confidence. We came together at the right time. I think we knew this was going to happen tonight, didn't we? We ended up playing our best game of the year. Tom, congratulations. Nothing better than be able to share this with your family and your kids. They started off about this big, and now look at them. So I'm (laughs) trying to stop the little clock right now, but it'd be nice to celebrate with them too. And there's more to come, right, Tom? There's more to come as far as football. Yeah, we're coming back. We're coming back. You know that. Coming back. Tom Brady's coming back. Well, there he is, Tom Brady. And look, uh, we'll talk more about the whole Super Bowl with Rob Gilbert and an extraordinary win for the Buccaneers. But one thing that the game suffers from um, is that whole cloud of concussion. And it's a big issue here in Australia, particularly with the Roosters, New South Wales, Australian superstar Boyd Cordner. And when he comes back and plays, it's a really difficult one, this one, isn't it, Shane? Yeah, and you're right to me. And I was fortunate enough to have the, on the latest episode of Lunch with Lead podcast, uh, Freddie Fittler, and he was talking about Boyd Courtner and you know, the real concern. The guy's going to be out for um, at least half the season. He's concerned he may never play representative football again and may never play for the Roosters again. And it's a real issue. And we're seeing that also in cricket you know, with Will Pekoski, which we've spoken about a lot on, on this podcast. And you know, there's a lot of players now. And unfortunately, once you identify the issues that the trauma can cause to you, both um, short term and long term, it opens the door and it's a real issue for sport moving forward. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It really is difficult because players in every sport have a, you know, take golf out of it, but have a very limited time frame to make their money. They make a lot of sacrifices. So yeah, we'll have to watch that space with interest, but he's a really good guy, Boyd. I know him pretty well. So uh, we wish him 
and his family all the very best going forward. Now, let's have a look at this Collingwood story uh, quickly because it's not going away in a hurry, is it? And there's a bit of a he said, she said, Lumumba and some of his, his former players having a crack at him saying, well, uh, you seem to get on with it back then. It's it's all a little bit of a mess, isn't it? It's a real mess and it's not going away, Timmy. And, um, you know, you've got, you've got former players now coming out saying that um, you know, he had no problem uh, being called chimp uh, allegedly whilst he was playing uh, but now since he's retired he wants to get back in the limelight that doesn't help anyone um, the, 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 the whole story here is that um, can we better act as players and spectators and people around sport to make sure people will feel inclusive and, and considered no matter where they're from whatever background they're from and um, this is a problem with bringing out some sort of I suppose, deep dive into the whole issues around Collingwood. It's just bringing out more and more issues. And now people are starting to guard their turf. And um, look, I hope it goes away and we just get on with play some footy. Yeah, but you're right. You've got to just stick to the facts, don't you? This whole thing started because there was a report and a report that came out and it showed showed that there was racism in the club. So then Collingwood got on the, the front foot, wobbled with Eddie's media conference. So, yeah, I don't know how it, it, it completely calms down, but it's a bit like the Richmond story. I know it's very different, but it's going to hang around for a little while, that's for sure. And um, the tennis, uh, look, I, we just seem to be talking about Novak and Nick and quarantine and players wanting cats and dogs and we finally got on court it's a, it's a, it's a it's a huge relief isn't it it's great it's fantastic and it's a real credit to tennis australia and um and and to the victorian government too to get this up and running and um look I'm going to have some real uh, late nights over the course of the next couple of weeks watching hopefully all the Australians um, play really well and push through deep into the tournament Timmy yeah, and finally, uh, the rugby league's come down harshly on Payne Haas, who uh, spoke in such a, an abhorrent way to a female police officer. Uh, I think the fine's 50 grand. He'll miss the first three weeks, but he's going to have to learn and learn quick. We heard from Jason Stevens yesterday that Petro Sivanasiva is going to do some mentoring, but he has to, to sharpen up. Otherwise, he, his career may just be a memory. Big time, mate. It's not his first time he's had an indiscretion. And um, look, it's good to see that they're coming down firm on, on the guys now because you can't be, no matter what your personal circumstances are, you can't be acting in that way when you're representing A, yourself, and, and B, your family, and C, your club. So, you know, he's going to be harshly dealt with. Um, he, will, he will get another chance after the three weeks. So hopefully he gets on with it and, um, and grows up a little bit. Yeah, he's certainly a talented footballer. There's little question of that. All right, this is Afternoon Sport. Coming up next, we've got the Super Bowl to unstitch with Rob Gilbert. Okay, this is Afternoon Sport. It is time to talk tennis and Rob Gilbert joins us. He's based in Melbourne, of course, and Rob, uh, finally here. We're underway. There's been a lot of talk, Tim and Shane, g'day boys, but it's finally underway. The first uh, uh, major tennis open of the year. It's always the first, but uh, the very fact that it's on is is uh, nothing short of a minor miracle. We've had players in lockdown, players complaining. We've had... uh, tests positive in in quarantine hotels. I think all of the worst nightmares of uh, Craig Tiley, the tournament director, and the Victorian government came through. But, 
you got to hand it to them. They've got there in the end. Um, they've pretty much uh, uh, ticked every box that they expected to. They've had crowds in the stadiums and uh, and so far, so good. Yep, the 2021 Australian Open underway in February. A little late, of course, moved back because of COVID and all Australian eyes last night on this extremely talented, if not troubled, at times, Nick Kyrgios. He's had a year off and he wobbled a bit, didn't he, against the uh, Portuguese qualifier silver, but then came back and won six. 646464 here's Nick Kyrgios after his win I haven't been nervous like that for a tennis match for a long time um, obviously not competing for a while in a, at a grand slam level I was obviously doubting you know my confidence a little bit um, got broken my first game of the tournament which is never a good sign and then actually bounced back pretty well uh, he's a tricky player though uh, left you know crafty lefty who has a pretty good forehand and I didn't think he missed much either. So, and the conditions were incredibly tough. It was freezing in there, so it was the court was playing very, very slow. Um, yeah, I'm happy with the way I just kind of, you know, kept composed and just fought back, stayed tough. It wasn't an easy match, that's for sure. Nick Kyrgios through to the second round, and uh, look tonight, it's all about Ash Barty. So Ash Barty got that WTA title on the weekend, her ninth. How does the number one in the world go? So that's where Australia's focus will be. Many other Australians, of course, we've got 22 players across the draw uh, in action, of course, on day two. But yesterday, as much as people were watching the Australian Open, there were so many eyes on the Super Bowl. It was huge, wasn't it? Tom Brady, and it was a masterclass for the Buccaneers. Oh, it's incredible, isn't it, mate? After a 20-year career at the New England Patriots, he went to the Super Bowl nine times, won six of them. Now, a lot of people said that uh, was it Bill Belichick, the coach of the Patriots, and did he make uh, the, uh, the the miracle or the legend that was Tom Brady? Well, put it this way, the Patriots, up until Brady started his career, they hadn't done much. The moment he left, they don't make the finals. He turns up at the Buccaneers and they win the Super Bowl. It was incredible. He had his old mate, Rob Gronkowski, bought out of retirement. He was playing WWE, mind you, and uh, uh, Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette. Um, and, and this is up against the the rising star quarterback, the the reigning MVP of the Super Bowl of the NFL. The Kansas City Chiefs broke a 50-year drought. Patrick Mahomes was the first player to sign a half a billion dollar 10-year contract and he was expected to to pretty much end the fairy tale. But there was no fairy tale uh, for Patrick Mahomes. No. It was all about Tom Brady, wasn't it? And it wasn't. And they, they absolutely shut him down, didn't they, in, in defence. Like White was unbelievable in defence and um, he didn't have any room to breathe. Yeah, no, there was no question about that, that uh, the, uh, the one thing that they did do from the very get-go was to shut um, Patrick Mahomes down. Now, bearing in mind that um, uh, three weeks ago he'd had a concussion, he had turf toe, that uh, you hear a lot about this turf toe condition. It didn't seem to phase him against the Bills in the in the um, the championship playoff. But yesterday he seemed to be hemmed in at every level. He, uh, he'd lost some of his key defensive players and the game plan of the Buccaneers just shut him down from start to finish. But you've just got to hand it to, to Brady, though. He, um, he, he got them out to a 21-9 lead at halftime, and uh, he just stood up. Um, he'd thrown three intercepts in the playoff game against Green Bay a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know he was expected to to um, to have to lift to the very 
peak of his ability, but uh, but he did that. And and one quirky statistic here is not only is he the oldest player to ever to play in the Super Bowl at uh, at forty three years of age, but Bruce Arians he becomes the oldest coach ever to win the Super Bowl at uh, at sixty eight years of age. Yeah, and look, uh, we heard it earlier in the show, Tom Brady speaking after the win, and he said, "Look, yeah, I'm not giving it up. As you know, I'm coming back." Forty three years of age, some forty three year olds struggle to walk. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, that's the thing about um, Tom Brady. He's the type of guy that is completely focused on his fitness and right down to, to every element of his uh, his lifestyle, his diet, his, uh, his supermodel wife, Gisele Bunken, I think keeps him in uh, hand pretty well, but uh, but he just is obsessed with his capacity to, to play the game. So, you know, he's going to go on. He becomes only the second player behind Peyton Manning to quarterback two teams to, to winning Super Bowls. So, you know, you, you wouldn't put anything past him for another season, would you? He was just so cool, calm and collected. I think, um, is it Gronk Kroslowski you brought along with him and um, he scored two touchdowns and it was almost like the third down every time that Brady felt under pressure, he threw it to him and it was like a, a, an old mate out there and uh, came up with the goods. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah, that's right. Rob Gronkowski becomes the first man to make at least one catch in five Super Bowls. Uh, he and uh, and Brady now have connected for five passing touchdowns in Super Bowls and and that surpasses the great combination of the San Francisco 49ers, Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, who had four before this. Uh, so they, they're just ticking the boxes at every level and uh, um, yeah, just, uh, just amazing stuff. Yeah, not quite the Tom Brady story, but it's still a cracking story from an Australian perspective. Matty Ryan, and we had the absolute pleasure and treat of having him on Afternoon Sport, and he was saying how good it was to be at the club that he, he wanted to be at uh, at Arsenal after things didn't turn out at Brighton, and, and he got to debut so quickly against Aston Villa, and apart from that one goal, he really did have a cracking game, didn't he, uh, as goalkeeper for Arsenal? Oh, no question about it. I mean, they lost one nil to, to Aston Villa in that game, and uh, he got his opportunity when the, the starting keeper Burnt Leno was suspended after being sent off the week before. He had a bit of a nightmare start. 74 seconds in, uh, Arsenal conceded a goal, but that was through no fault of his own. It was just sort of classic defect deflection uh, in goals. But then he he went on to be, to, you know, if you could be man of the match as a goalkeeper in a, in a losing side, then uh, then Matt Ryan would have gone pretty yeah. close to it. So it'll be interesting to see if um, if he does uh, stay in that uh, um, you know that starting position. But um, but hats off to Matty Ryan. I mean, what a story. It was he, you know, he played over 100 games for Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, suddenly, he finds he, himself on the outer under Graham Potter for no reason that I've seen uh, explained by any any, any expert. Uh, we're talking about him going back to Belgium, um, maybe going to a, yeah. you know a second tier league in continental Europe. Next thing you know, he goes to his uh, his uh, um, a team that he got up at four, used to get up at four a.m. watching as a kid, and um, and and a week later, he's picked in the starting lineup. Just uh, it's boys' own annual stuff, isn't it, boys? Amazing. And um, Liverpool's woes continued, thumped by Man City. I know, it was terrible. And and what was worse, and this comes from a, um, a Liverpool supporter, is that this was about their, their the last chance saloon for Liverpool. And, you know, we're only just past the halfway mark of the season. And, uh, you know, so three points left and, uh, and you know, it's a little under 20 games. You're saying, you know, it was 60 points still on offer and uh, and less than 10 points the margin. Greater gaps than that have been conceded. But just the way they're playing and uh, Alisson, their Brazilian goalkeeper, normally he's a rock in defence 
he very, very rarely makes mistakes. But in the one game, uh, and they were given an opportunity. Ilko Gundogan um, missed up, just blazed over with a penalty uh, early, and uh, and so you know that you thought that they'd breathe a sigh of relief, and they did. But uh, Allison just like two of the clumsiest errors trying to distribute the ball to his defence, and uh, and they they just gifted uh, Phil Foden and Ilko Gundogan goals, and uh, yeah, four one. It was it was a horror story. Yeah, and Alan Statich, if we bring it back closer to home in the A League, the Central. Coast Mariners, well, they really are the the ugly duckling in the sense of um, they they run on a pretty small budget. Uh, he got sacked in that job at the Matildas. A boy, oh boy, he's got them firing, and they're uh, they're leading the A League. Yeah, you got to hand it to him, um, Alan Stajic. He's a uh, a Hall of Fame coach um, at uh, Sydney FC after winning two titles there. Uh, you know, he was one of the most respected uh, coaches of, of women's football in the world. The Matildas uh, just seem to be firing on it every single. And, uh, um, until it all went pear-shaped and we don't need to revisit that story. So Stajic uh, gets an opportunity at the Central Coast Mariners. They're wooden spooners. They come into this season expecting to pretty much do the same thing and they're, they're on top of the ladder. Now, admittedly, they've got a couple of games in hand against the uh, the three sides um, who are behind them, but uh, you, you, you can't uh, knock the kind of winning form that he's generated and uh, and the culture there at, at the club, uh, the, the young team uh, who are just doing amazing things, the last two games they've come from two goals down uh, you've got to look at this young guy from Shepherd and um, Alu Cole he's a, a Sudanese boy who um, is a uh, Already getting looked at um, as a, a future Ollie Roo, and uh, and and what I'm liking across the A League, and I know we've discussed this before. Once a lot of the Foxtel money went out of the game, there was an exodus of some senior players, blokes like Adam Lafondra left to go to the Indian Super League of all places. But uh, it's giving that situation that is giving opportunities to these young guys to get starting football time, and uh, and there's nothing like a, a young rising star to to be given his head by a coach, and and that's what Alan. Stajic is doing. He's keeping a bit of a lid on it with the young fella, um, who is one of many representative players doing similar things across the competition. But uh, just have a look at Alu Cole, and I think it just says a lot about the future of the Socceroos. The uh, you know this season might well be looked back as as a, a season uh, that started to create a new future for for the Socceroos and a new profile of the faces of the game in this country. Hey, Robert, I'm not sure if you saw the um, halftime entertainment um, at the Super Bowl, but there was a group or a guy called The Weekend. <laughs> It was the most boring thing I've ever seen. You couldn't even put the Chiefs to sleep. They were like, well, they went to sleep. The Buccaneers ploughed on. But how boring was that? Oh, mate, look, you got a feel for it. He's a, he's a Canadian rhythm and blues performer. He was performing to cardboard cutouts in the stadium. Um, and yeah. uh, and sadly for the big fellow, he uh, he certainly didn't entertain. Um, I, I was listening to just take a, a little uh, digression to uh, Melbourne Radio on the morning of the game. And uh, there was a clip played of Mick Jagger when he was asked many years ago by a very <laughs> excited American journalist. They were just about to perform the Rolling Stones at the Super Bowl. Now, Sir Mick, uh, you've done everything. You've performed all over the world, full stadiums at Wembley. You've been at uh, you know the uh, Brazil, Maracanã, 200,000 people. Has it been an ambition all of your life to perform at a Super Bowl halftime show? And Mick goes, uh, no, no, it hasn't. <laughs> that fell flat. Well, Robert, some, some breaking news, and I, and I wasn't going to break it on today's show, but uh, it was the only thing that stopped an Australian band from being at halftime of the Super Bowl was quarantine because Shane Lee, as as the manager and, and one of the key, the key stars of Six and Out, was approached by um, the NFL to come over as a, you know, as a return to 
the stage, <laughs> but uh, they couldn't get there. Mate, I'll tell you what, we've got that weekend covered, six and out, we've got them covered easily. They were terrible. Uh, anyway. How's that? <laughs> Maybe next year. Oh, Rob, look, uh, good to talk to you. So much to chat about. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll watch this Australian Open with interest with Ash Barty and Kyrgios and others um, and uh, catch you next week. Yeah, see you, Timmy. See you, Shane. See you, mate. Bye. Pleased to be joined by Mick Jagger. Thank you. Nice to see you. Thank you for joining us on NFL Network. You've never played a Super Bowl event before. That's correct. Has that something, uh, something you've always wanted to do? Not really. <laughs> Coming up on Afternoon Sport, the owner of the Kings. What a win it was the other day against the 36ers. He's pretty happy, Paul Smith. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com. All right, time to head to the basketball court on Afternoon Sport. And the Sydney Kings, well, they had a cracking win over the 36ers. Good crowd and, and consistent game. We've got their owner, Paul Smith, on the line. How are you, Paul? Good to join you guys again. Thanks for your interest in what we're doing and what we're trying to get done here. It's pretty, it's been a, we've been on the road for a few weeks, so it's good to be coming home. Paul, uh, as Timmy said, mate, uh, really, really good win against the 36ers. Really tough towards the end of the game, weren't they? Yeah, no, really impressive. A uh, lot of contributions across the court and... Uh, uh, for mine, I, I just thought it was really, really good that the guys just kept their foot on their throat. You know, yeah. this season, they had four and against, points for and against are going to be crucial this season. And, uh, you know, in determining, you know, location on the ladder if you get into the four and that. So we've been we've been really disciplined in that respect. So I'm really happy with that. And yeah, it was a good win and everyone contributed. Casper kicked into a bit of form and starting to find his feet. And uh, Jarrell Martin, boy, that's something else what that guy's doing for us. So we're excited by that. And. Just the thought of having him back, uh, having Cooksey back in a, after the hub and uh, with Jarrell, I think we're going to have something else for fans to follow. Yeah, there's such a fascination with the NBA, isn't there? And, and of course, the superstars in that, LeBron and, and our own Ben Simmons and Curry and so on. But watching Casper do his, do his thing against the 36ers, 27 points and, and, and just the manner, he's, he's just that absolute live wire. And when he's on song, boy, oh boy, he's hard to stop. Yeah, yeah, he is. And look, it's impossible. Um, he's deadly. And, uh, you know, he, he's, but he, it's not only in offense, his defense is amazing. You know, like the way they shut down Giddy, you know, they really did a job on him. You know, I think there was a lot of contributions across the floor. Jordan Hunter had a massive game. He, he took on Isaac Humphreys, who's been having his own way for a few weeks. And, and uh, you know, Jordan got a real good piece of him on the weekend, and uh, uh, that was really pleasing. It's those little things that come together that can demonstrate that the, the team's starting to find their flow. You know, we've we've also dropped in a couple of players in the last couple of weeks, guys that have never, you know, our guys have never met before. You know, as we've been sort of restacking the roster, trying to keep up with all the injuries we've been incurring. Hey, um, Paul, the Boomers team's been picked. There's 12 NBA players in there, including Ben Simmons. If if the Olympics goes ahead, which it should, we stand a very good chance for of a serious medal here, don't we? Oh, I think so. Look, we copped a good draw. Um, and you know, I think that the way it's sort of stacking up, the, the NBA season is going to run late. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it looks like I'd say that uh, most of the NBA players, that the Australians are going to be not going to be featuring in that late part of the season. So it's a good opportunity for the team to be coming together. But, you know, look, it's an Olympics and it's such an important event for, you know, in, for many sports. But, you know, for men's and women's basketball, and we shouldn't forget the Opals as well. They've got a real shot, a yeah. real shot. Um, they, they copped a very good draw. You know, they're well-placed as well. And, uh, you know, I think we saw a lot from the WNBL season 
before Christmas that demonstrated there's a lot of young Australian players coming through. Shiloh Hill, case in point, just speaks you know volumes. And you know we shouldn't forget that we've got a Women's World Cup coming to Sydney in 2022 in September, which is going to be an incredible event for for our country and for our city. Yeah, she's got the right pedigree and Shane, and uh, look, obviously he, he's he's very very uh, close to the coaching of his daughter. She's she's an outstanding talent, and look, I can't wait. I, I just hope against hope. I think most of us sports tragics just are really hoping that this Olympics goes ahead so we can uh, get some sort of uh, world turning point because that's the kind of thing that we need. I reckon to uh, to move ahead, you need something with everyone coming together. Well, you need to become an expert in something every four years, Tim. Like. <laughs> Or hammer throw. All we did last year was become experts in COVID. So we need it. We need a big sporting distraction this year globally that'll get everyone aligned globally. But in the meantime, don't forget we've got Sydney Kings versus the New Zealand Breakers on Friday, yes. and we've got that, those dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking Hawks coming to Sydney on Sunday against us as well. So we're looking forward to stacking up a couple of Ws and uh, sending those losers home down the freeway. I'm looking forward to that on Sunday. Trust me. <laughs> and you're back home. How good is it? Like they've they've been eating toasted sandwiches and uh, you know uh, hotel food for for weeks. But you haven't been seeing the food bills. I'll tell you right now, they're eating well. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you. Thank God you got as much as you have. But um, it's just going to be good to get home. I'm not going to ask for that. But getting home, mate. Oh, mate, it's good. It's good to be home. And tell tell you what, Shane. Mate, give those sixes a big, big, big hug yes. to me. We're sending those loser Western Australians home, please. <laughs> I love that as well. That was, that was even, even better. It was a it was a great win, wasn't it? And um, yeah, they celebrated they celebrated well into the night. They, they were to go back to back in the in the big bash is a uh, is a huge effort, particularly with the talent out here. Yes. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I, I just I, I'm I'm a relative newcomer to this whole team ownership thing, but <laughs> okay, what's what's apparent to me is is winning any. Any national competition in any sport, boy, you got to be, you got to, you got to have a lot of luck. But geez, you got to be dedicated. You got to really put it together, and you got to be tough. It's really hard. And uh, the NBL this year is going to be brutal. It's going to be a long season, um, a lot of games, and uh, well, thirty-six game season this year. We normally play, we play twenty-eight. It's going to be tough. So we, we got to get after it, man. It's a long way Big to go. Time. Well, I think, mate, you mentioned that, like winning, winning any competition. I know that the, the Mossman Cricket Boys won a second grade competition about three years ago, and they're still celebrating. So, uh, you know, it, it affects all of us. Three years now, that sounds like a World Cup win to them. They've, uh, <laughs> they've talked it up so big. <laughs> well, congratulations about getting home, Paul. And uh, I'll tell you what, I will say one thing. I'll leave you with this. Thank God you haven't got Shane and I on your team because your food bill would go through the roof. Oh, boy. Well, lucky, lucky Shane Lee's sponsored by Lee's Fortuna Court at Crow's Nest. I, <laughs> I think Shane owes it. That's why the chat, Lee's Fortuna. It is, mate. I might send him a legal letter about that, yes. Every time Stanley sees me, he goes, oh, we need more pancakes. All right, good to see you, Paul. <laughs> All right, brother. See you. Bye. Take care, mate. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes to Rob Gilbert and Paul Smith today. And thank you to our wonderful sponsors, Shano. SmartinSportsHQ.com. We love them. Oh, he is the king, the crown prince, the duke of podcasts, Dan McHugh. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you then, guys.